Say that the podcast for your big questions to get real answers. My name is Matt King, and I'm joined by Michigan State President Glenn Fitzgerald. Controversy. Also, Director of Michigan State Productions Jed Brewer. Well, that is intriguing. I want to hear more. It's a controversy. Okay. I think, I think if you'd said that a couple octaves higher, the the Prince Estate might be looking into the lawsuit. But <laughs> glad you kept it in a nice baritone. Controversy. Thank you. Um, we are we're not joined by Lee Younger at the moment. We will be later, um, folks. Here's what happened: we we record the shows um, back. We recorded uh, the previous one you heard, and this one in a back to back session a couple Sundays ago. And uh, you know, for who's to say who's to blame? Who's to say who copied the file wrong and didn't press the thing? And pulled the USB. There's all sorts of accusations flying around. I don't want to get into it. Wild right. speculation. This is what right. I'm saying. The point is, essentially, we lost everything before the first question on this episode. So uh, we huddled together to uh, try to make some comedy out of incompetence. On that basis, I declare an emergency! Is it a controversy emergency? It's a controversial emergency. Ooh, Ooh. very exciting. Now, here's the thing. We, we recorded this intro once before before now it's and it been, was gold it was lost to the sands of time i think it was our finest hour i think that's true it may have been if the oscar fi- wilde and andy kaufman had a baby it would have been that segment <laughs> thank you such was the comedic brilliance just take our word for it y'all yes, great so this was uh it was it was uh, but that's gone now it's gone it's gone but here's the thing uh, uh, you know, we said, uh, Matt, what's the deal with the whatever? And he, you know, there was there was a lot of well, what have you and besides and so forth. Look okay. over there and running out of the room. A lot of yeah. these kind of things. Okay. Now, I asked myself, could there be more to the story? Sure. Because uh, it seems like a normal eventuality, you know. Me screwing things up is normal. Okay. But then I got to thinking, it, what if? Oh. And, and that's... Uh, that's when it's you a start. Very controversial statement. Okay, because a lot of you know we may have some new uh, listeners to the podcast, and they may not be aware of this. But for a number of uh, uh, years, really, on this podcast, we had a vicious feud. Yes, with our nemesis, with our ultra, we just the nemesis. Yeah, Joel Osteen. That's right. And uh, a lot of people were like. Uh, what's the deal, you know? And we were like, I tell you what the deal is. We're in a feud. A feud. Beef is on. <laughs> okay. And so many distracts. And and a lot of people were like, well, how, why, how's that work? Well, okay. First of all, he has the top rated Christian podcast. Yeah, most listeners. Right. We have we jealousy. <laughs> we have not that. And I, for one, a think that that's rude. Yes. For him he didn't even it. offer it to us. That's yeah. right. And uh, for for number two, uh, enough already. Yeah, that's okay. right. We all get it. So we started a feud with him to tear him down. Well, we started a feud at him. That's right. He's not responded in any way. Which, which be- also rude. It's extremely rude. When someone's feuding with you, When someone you starts it. a beef, you beef back with them. Okay, that's, that's right. That's assembly post, is what that is. That's we all just, know that. That's basic beef etiquette. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is uh, we all know this. But here's what happened. We had a feud, you know. And at first, I was like, "What's the deal with Joel Osteen?" 
And then that that thing we did come know, from the Jerry, Jerry Seinfeld school of feuding. <laughs> and here's what happened: evidence started to mount up, y'all. That's right. That's true. Things started to happen. Jed, fill us in on some of the the, the developments in yeah. the Joel Osteen war that developed. Well, Glenn, it's really very simple. We had a series of inexplicable technical problems, mm. difficulties, malfunctions, and right. we deduced using science facts mm. that the only possible explanation and simultaneously the most likely explanation um, using Occam's razor was that Joel Osteen knew that in the future we would become the most popular, most successful Christian podcast. Obviously. And so he had sent through a wormhole, mm. time-traveling cyborgs sure. to cause us technical difficulties and mayhem in the present day right. to slow us down and shut us down and try and silence our voice, Glenn. Whoa. Silence us. That's okay. absolutely right. Now, we did. there were some naysayers. There were some people sure. who floated out the idea of could it possibly be that you use equipment that's very old and have a producer who doesn't know how to use that equipment? <laughs> That doesn't and we even track. ran them off as witches. Yeah, that's right. Because <laughs> we don't need that kind of negativity yeah. around here. If you've got a more likely explanation than time traveling robot cyborgs funded by a megachurch, I'd like to hear it. Yeah, that's right. So you know what we've been doing is we've been fighting this battle just to get this to where you can hear it. Yeah, exactly right. right. I mean, it's it's hard. We're heroes. We don't want Basically. to use that phrase because what's a hero? What's a hero? But it's us. It's us. We are. Yeah, we're and you're heroes. welcome. Absolutely. That's right. That's right. Ha- ask yourself this. Okay. Has your uh, pastor gone to war with a futuristic cybernetic overlord to bring you a good word? Uh, probably not. Probably not. So you're welcome. You're welcome, internet. And yeah. we know some churches have the budget for it. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's right. the thing. Yeah, if you can afford a new lighting rig every couple of years, you can afford a robot cyborg army. Yeah. Look, it, we don't have we don't have the resources over here for no. a robot cyborg army. What we've got is an underground bunker. Yes, sure. Uh, deep under the earth. Yes, and uh, we have uh, uh, the say that laboratories. Yes, usually working around the the clock on our various projects of uh, high importance. Absolutely right. But uh, we're trying to, to handle all the things that happen because uh, he doesn't want to see us come up. That's see? right. He's trying to keep us down. He's trying to keep us down. We have to fight the man. Yeah. Well, this is, of course, all it, it just goes without saying. It's, it's, Glenn pointed out it's a, it's a refresher course. Now, obviously, the reason he keeps us down is because we know that it is, it is foretold. Right. It's just a basic, it's just taken as fact that eventually we will have the biggest. Um, Christian podcast. That's right. So that's why uh, Joel Osteen, uh, future Joel Osteen, let's be clear, we don't hold anything against present Joel Osteen. He hasn't done it yet. It'd be unfair. Yeah. That would be unfair. To hold any of this against present Joel Osteen. Yeah. Future Joel Osteen, who I assume has like an eye patch. Yeah. Differentiate him in the timeline. Yeah. Sure, yeah. That kind of thing. Goatee. Absolutely. He's sending temporal cyborgs. Yes. To come back and mess our stuff up here. Well, also, he's always stroking a white cat that's, that's sitting right. in his lap. I don't know why. Cat yeah. as white as his teeth. That's right. That's right. <laughs> they're, are they naturally white? Is that is that what it is? Or they're did, super naturally did, white. Did, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Are you saying his teeth have been transfigured? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, so he didn't pay thousands of dollars for no. somebody to bleach his teeth. Huh? No, okay. no. It doesn't okay. sound like something a megachurch pastor would do. No. Um, but I think it's important to, it's important to bring the people up to speed on this and yeah. really explore the space because the key is he doesn't want it, as you pointed, he doesn't want us to come up. He doesn't want us to have the number one Obviously. Christian podcast. He doesn't want us to have that kind of influence right. over Christian culture. 
He's afraid of, of the power of what we're laying down here. That's right. He's he's afraid of our raw power. Mm. Let's let's give the people a glimpse, because, again, it's, it is a future that's going to happen. Right. What are the kind of things we're going to institute that oh. so frighten these peoples that they must invest in cybernetics to stop it? Well, I think, obviously, first of all, we're going to rule all podcasting. That's no doubt. true. Uh, pretty much you have to go through us, you know, on the, the, the whole podcast game. Yeah. You know, we're going to have a, basically a podcast empire. Sure. Right. So that's Me and the, my four other white buddies I do improv with riff on the day's events. Nope. Not anymore, right. you don't. Already anymore. full. We have 7,000 of those. Try something else. That's right. So that's one thing. Sure, sure, absolutely. Well, the other thing is um, we have uh, lighting rigs in the future so powerful. They're actually mm. weaponized lighting rigs. Wow. They burn the sin right out of you. Whoa. Okay. And here's the thing. Once you've been purified by the light, then kind of, you know, a lot of the guilt games get played in a lot of, uh, you know, make churches. Right. It right. doesn't really work anymore. Right, Because right, it's right, like, right. you know, just problem solved. Right. We're taking away market share from them, Matt. This, this is absolutely right. true. So you're saying that in the future, uh, mega churches will be so hard up for ways to guilt their people into putting money in the plate. There will literally be a superpowered spotlight, yeah, that comes on each individual parishioner mm-hmm. as the pastor over. Because now what they do, it's, it's a it's a whole system. We don't particularly like it, but you have to respect the the hustle here. There's a lot of um, just kind of subtle. You know, if people were more committed, if, yeah, exactly right. If we started a movement, we could change. And the the implication being. Everything would be awesome if you people who are in the pews here didn't suck so much. Right, mm-hmm. right, yes. I'm trying to start a movement of passion and holiness right. and transform a generation, and you people are just sandbagging me. That's right. But it's it's implied. It's yes, meant. that's right. So you're saying there will become a time when it literally will go individual by individual, yes. spotlight, and the pastor will say, you're ruining church. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> Well, we've also covered uh, that uh, we will be tr- starting an ultra church. Yes, sure, right. no doubt, no doubt. And they fear the ultra church. Sure, that's it. now the ultra church. Just so you know, won't imply that it is ultra high quality. No, 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 just ultra. It won't be good at all because it can't be good because it's way too big and unwieldy. But ultra, it will be ultra. ultra. We'll just right. have way, 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 way too many people all crammed into one space. Yeah, and they will all be admiring us, and that, we like that. Yeah, certainly. Also, these uh, uh, peony mega churches that exist now, they like doing the movies. Yeah, and you know, for months we've been planning our whole movie empire. Absolutely right. And I think the listeners of this show would agree, our movies clearly are going to be superior to the movies that because the movies that they have are like uh two people have completely unrealistic drama with each other yes and then one of them puts on a sweater then one of them puts on a sweater and then the other one gives the other one pizza yeah i think it is yeah and then one of them it's it's always like this uh, i i don't believe in your god hmm yeah, and then at the end of the movie, he's like, "Now I freely proclaim my belief." That's sure. good. And As he's bleeding credits. out from a gunshot at a Newsboys concert, the real way, <laughs> God's not dead ended. So, <laughs> did it really? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Kevin Sorbo dies in the parking lot and makes a deathbed confession in the parking lot at a Newsboys concert. Oh, it makes me sad. They way had deep so down. many millions of dollars. And that's what they came up with. Okay. Well, but see, ours are basically going to involve explosions. Yes. 
monkeys. Sure. Kaiju. Uh, yeah. Kaiju. I'll, yeah, totally. Look, if you don't look, if your Christian movie doesn't have a kaiju in it, I'm not interested. Yeah. Passing that one by. That's yeah. what makes it ultra church. That's exactly That's right. what makes it ultra church. What do you have out front? A fountain? That's adorable. Here's our kaiju. <laughs> You're welcome. Oh, you have an associate pastor who points people in the parking structure? We have a kaiju that does that's, that exact same function. That's how we're rolling. Yeah. Yeah. So here's what I'm saying. We have technical difficulties here. No doubt. Today we do. Today we do. Now, I think... I feel completely comfortable in making an entirely unfounded assertion. You've never felt uncomfortable doing that before. This is 100% the fault of George H.W. Osteen. Wow, okay. And uh, this is, uh, you know, because I don't know if you guys remember this, we declared an amnesty. Sure, sure. We tried this beef. We sure we, we, we said beef's off, man. Beef's we, off. You know, we'll be cool. With let you. bygones be, cool. be bygones. Sure. That was our big. Wasn't that one of our resolutions or something? Exactly right. Beef is over if you want it. Yeah. Uh, thank that, you, John. That's it. And I, I don't know because I don't actually listen to the show. Nor should you. It's not helpful. It seems a bit juvenile. Yeah. Okay, but we said beef is, uh, you know. We said that going into 2016. Y'all. That's right. right. We gave it a year. We felt like you know what. Uh, don't start nothing, won't be nothing. Yeah. We say, you know, it's all, you know. Uh, but we wake up to find this intrigue yeah. and uh, mayhem. Sure, he was lying in wait. Yeah. And, you know, because we, we were let our guard down because we're trying to be cool about sure, it. Sure, absolutely. We're trying to be Christian about this. Totally, show. always. And suddenly, you know what? Off of that, I declare beef is back on. Oh yeah. That's right, Joel Osteen. We're gunning for you. Not for Gunger anymore. Right. No, he seems fine. Yeah, yeah that's how you know. But look out, Joel Osteen. You tell him. But future Joel Osteen. Yeah, no, right. Jerry Crow, Today Joel Osteen. Hasn't Joel Osteen's done anything fine. yet. Yeah, he hasn't done anything yet. You can't that's a look, if I've learned anything from growing up Presbyterian, yeah. You can't Take the crimes of a future time traveling scenario and apply that to a present situation. It would be unjust. That, that's just basic theology. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm really glad we got that all sorted out. I feel like we landed in a good place. So, therefore, based on that, I declare beef is on, but emergency is off. Amen. Right. <laughs> and beef also with you <laughs> yeah uh, beef be with you <laughs> so I think uh, yeah I think we landed in a good place spiritually uh, philosophically grammatically I think we, we really did a thing there um, uh, I'll, I'll just throw in here that if you uh, would like to fund a you know experimental future uh, cyborgram of our own you can of course go to missionusa.com slash bridgebox and sign up there uh, if enough of you sign up for eight dollars a month I'm sure we can get a working prototype up by uh, second quarter of 2017. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you know, I think that's better uh, use of the money than spending it on recording equipment. Sure. Or teaching me how to use the recording equipment. Sure. I think cyborgs is the way to go. Yep. And of course, for now, we'll uh, keep spending that money on hiring uh, part-time employees to work on inner city ministry to help uh, folks coming out of addiction and out of jail get them plugged into the church. And now, we throw you back to past us. All right, we're going to jump to our first question. What, if you have a question, you can handle us all the way to the end. I'll give you some ways you can touch this. First one comes in anonymously to our Tumblr, and it says, My nephew suddenly died a few months ago. I thought I was handling it okay, but lately I've been thinking of him every day 
and been really fearful that I will lose another member of my family. Mm. I'm trying not to be angry at God, but it's hard. How do I deal with grief? Lee, obviously kind of a big question, but where, where do we start with grief and that whole process? Well, the first place we want to start is, uh, and, and I know I speak for the rest of the guys on this show, and just say we are so sorry for Absolutely. your loss, for um, for the pain that you're going through, for the confusion of this time that you're walking through. We are we are sorry that you're going through it. It sucks, and um, and you know if uh, you know that that's kind of the first place. That, that you want to start with any of this is just a, a hearty, um, we, we want to stand beside you and say, we're, we're really sorry. Um, the thing that, that you need to um, understand about grief is, uh, as you start to look at this, is how do you know the question of how do I do this? Well, the fact is, you do it slowly. Um, and, and that's the thing is that we don't really, until we face it, we don't really know that about grief. Um, we don't, we don't really know the fact that it's, you know, the fact that it's going to take some time to, to deal with the things that you're feeling. You do this slowly and you don't do it by yourself. And I think to me, those are the two biggest things that we've got to start with is, um, this is going to take a lot of time and I need people to help me in this. You, you're going to need your family. You're going to need a good set of supportive friends. And I, the very first place that I would start if I were you, is I would ask your parents or or um, or your friends if you're kind of already grown up and out of your parents' house to um, help you find a, a counselor that you could talk to. Um, just having somebody that is trained, who is ready to sit down and listen to you and can talk to you can make a world of difference. And then I would give, um, and I would say also, if you have, if you know for a fact that you've got some really supportive, really sympathetic friends <clears throat> that you can call on when you're feeling overwhelmed. And I think that's the main thing that we want to look at is that when you're going through a situation like this, um, grief is an overwhelming emotion. It comes at you with five or six different things that you feel at a time or 15 or 20 different things that you feel at a time. There's memories that that are super confusing. You have really, really happy memories because this is a person that you really loved and you have all of the sadness of the fact that they're gone. And that's a very, very confusing thing for your brain, for your heart to kind of deal with at the same time. It's very, very easy to get overwhelmed. Um, one of the things that I would suggest, just as kind of a practical thing to do in the middle of this, is to kind of write out for yourself, and I mean like physically write out for yourself, a kind of like a, a, a playbook for how you're going to deal with moments where you feel overwhelmed. And what I mean is that you need to take a piece of paper or, you know, uh, some uh, an index card or something like that and write down some things that are true that don't feel true in the moments where you're overwhelmed. Some things that are true about grief that you would learn from a counselor, that you would learn from some really supportive friends that, that we're happy to tell you here. One is, like I said, this is going to take a lot of time. You can't do all of this in, in one motion. You can't handle all, you can't get rid of all of the feelings that you're going to have, all the sadness, all the confusion, all the difficulty in one thing. It's going to take a long time. Some other things that you might want to write down, I'm always going to love this person that I've lost. And that's a good thing um, that I'm always going to miss him. And that's a healthy thing. That's not an unhealthy thing. God agrees with me that death sucks. 
Um, the gospel gives me a great hope. The, these are the kinds of things, and and whatever else, you know, you you as you're wor- working through the pieces of this, whatever else are, are the things that you find out, the true kind of nuggets that help you process the huge emotions and break it down into into moments that you can actually handle that aren't too overwhelming. You want to write that stuff down so that when you do feel overwhelmed and confused, you can go back there and remember things that are difficult to remember when you're overwhelmed. I don't have to do this all today. This is going to take a lot of time. God understands the way that I feel. He agrees with me that death sucks. He agrees with me that this is awful. I miss my nephew. I'm always going to love him, and that's a healthy and a good thing. The kinds of things that help you um, pull apart this kind of ocean of feelings into things that you can do a a little bit at a time. Yeah, I think that is exactly the right place to start, and uh, we can dig into that a little more. Glenn, I like this idea of I'm kind of trying to there's a whole, our friend points out and Lee got to it uh, very, very well there. There's going to just going to be a whole lot of aspects to this that you can't yes. even necessarily say things like, you know, uh, one would expect to be sad that a young, that uh, right. someone dies, but then, you know, I'm fearful that other members of my family might die. There's anger, there's grief. And all that falls under the umbrella of grief, which is a little bit more than just kind of being sad about things. And I think understanding right. that multifacetedness will help us deal with it, right? Absolutely right. I really want to pick up on what Lee was saying there about uh, breaking this down. Mm-hmm. from uh, it, The thing about grief, as you're pointing out, and rightly so, is it can be very complex. There's lots mm-hmm. of different elements to that. But the problem is that it's like a this ball of string that's all knotted up that i when when i'm most of the way to fixing how i feel about the fear element of this the anger element jumps in there and sort of distracts me from finishing out the thinking of the the through the fear and i'm caught on the anger and when i get most of the way through dealing with the anger here comes fe- sadness the sadness it just so that I'm sort of trying to solve all these, fight on all these fronts at once, yeah. and I end up not defeating any of them. So it's really about a divide and conquer. Let's let's take each of these in turn and tell all those other things. I'll get to you and shut up for now. Mm-hmm. So that we're we're separating these considerations out, uh, and that's what's going to keep us from being stuck in that loop that mm-hmm. we can sometimes get into, and that eventually kind of becomes a wallowing type of thing, and that's that's when we've really run aground. Uh, uh, I think if we look at these issues one at a time, particularly if we don't judge ourselves, if you're angry with God, it makes perfect sense, and it's, that's a healthy response to the situation. Uh, but I think uh, part of what we're going to learn here, if we begin to separate those things out is we'll, we'll begin to uh, get a sense for what is unreasonable in terms of an expectation. You know, uh, uh, you know your, your, your nephew uh, died suddenly. It's a terrible, terrible, terrible thing. But, for example, one of the things that you'll come to is you'll say to God, he was supposed to live to a ripe old age and have a happy life. Yeah. And in that moment, you might hear the Lord coming back to you with something along the lines of, says who? Yeah. 
you made it up in your head a story that he should live to a ripe old age. I didn't tell you that. That's not written down anywhere. That's not how life works. Some of it goes on a long time, some of it not so long. That doesn't mean that a short life is a bad life. That doesn't mean something was robbed. It doesn't mean that something was stolen. That's that's it just doesn't go with the story that you told yourself. So being able to see that and break that down, it's it's really just one small yeah. part of this thing. But having one less thing to 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 overwhelm you gives you more strength and momentum to deal with the rest of it. And you have to be rigorous and, and wrestle out each of those things and not cheat yourself. I think that's absolutely right. And Jed, I'd love to get you to pick up on this idea of being angry at God. I think that's really where we need to land on that. And Glenn absolutely started us off right on that path with um, makes sense to me yep. to be angry with God. God could have stopped this from happening. Didn't. That's yep. kind of one of the things. That it's, it's a perfectly logical step, but I think sometimes for reasons you might get into, we stop ourselves from going there, of if you believe in an omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God, everything's his fault. Yeah. Um, every bad, you know, you get a lot of, you know, God is good all the time, and all the time God is good, and we give him praise for all the positive things. And that's as it should be, but the flip side of that is pretty much everything that bad that happens, you, eventually that comes to being laid at God's doorstep. Yeah. So how do we work through that process, and how do we uh, maybe, as importantly, not um, stop ourselves short from really acknowledging the realities here? It's a great question. Uh, the key thing is don't judge the way you feel. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, if, if you... The thing about grief is both, as everyone's pointing out, is it's this huge wave of emotions, many of which are conflicting and feel almost contradictory. That's fine. Yeah. Don't judge mm -hmm. how you feel. That's right. Um, you know, uh, I've had people close to me pass away, and in one moment I felt angry, and the next moment I felt sad, and the next moment I felt goofy. Mm -hmm. You know, just mm -hmm. everything in the world's funny. You yeah. know, mm -hmm. I mean, that that's life. That. Well, another trippy thing about that is, as uh, I think Glenn kind of alluded to there, there's no predictability to it. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly You're, right. People are used to, you know, you get sad and then you get angry. That's kind of the way. But uh, rarely does sadness lead to, rarely does anger lead to sadness, as you're saying, lead to something totally out of left field. So as you're pointing out, not only is it, do you not want to judge yourself, you don't want to try to read too much into the whys on this. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. It, to, to put it another way, there, there is no wrong way to grieve. That's um, right. There, there may be ineffective ways to work through the process of right. grief, and we, we want you to, to do it effectively because we don't want you to, to wind up in something unhealthy, but there's, there's not a wrong way to grieve. Mm -hmm. um, you said that you're trying not to be angry at God. You should be angry at God. Yep. Um, the, if you want to, to be maximum strength Christian and righteous about it, be angry and then tell him. Mm -hmm. uh, right. no. Go. He can take it. He can take it. He's a, he's a big right. God. Uh, go, go to his door, go to his altar, and tell him all about it. Own the feelings that you have, own the anger that you have, and express it mm -hmm. so that you can work through it. Mm -hmm. um, what wouldn't be a good idea is to say, I'm angry at God, and I want to stay angry at him forever. That would be, that would be a bad. little off, but that's not what we're talking about. And it would be really bad if it's, I'm angry at God, and I don't want to talk to him about it. Yes, that. absolutely. That's, that's a problem. That's a problem. But um, uh, if you look at the Bible, you find a host of righteous people being angry at God and telling him about it. Mm -hmm. Go and do likewise. Uh, you, uh, here's the beautiful thing. You have a reason to be angry with God. You, you have a point. But even if you didn't, God takes all comers. Yeah, it doesn't matter. I, I get mad at God when I know I'm wrong about yes. it. And he, I, I've he, said that out loud. I know I'm wrong, but 
I don't have anybody else to be mad at. So it's I you. get mad at God about getting stuck in traffic. There right? you go. He's dealt with a death. That's it seems right. fine. He yes. hasn't qu- squashed me yet. Yeah. He understands it. Don't judge your feelings. Own your feelings. And again, express them so that you can work through them. You know, where, where we get into problems is unexpressed feelings, unasked questions, uh, unresolved stuff. That That's where we get into a problem. That's mm-hmm. where we kind of have long-term things that are kind of a ticking time bomb. So, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, dig through all those dark corners. You know, not, you know, it, a little every day. You don't want to over, overwhelm yourself. But but don't judge your feelings and don't feel like any question or topic or thing is taboo. It's, it's not. Mm-hmm. Um, we love you. We believe you. We've got your back. Well, that's absolutely right. I think that's really the, the angry with God and the honesty is really that kind of the key point here. And it's worth... As it's worth working through the individual parts of the grief, it's worth kind of working through bits and pieces of why you think it's not okay to be angry with God. That's yeah. an important question to ask yourself. And there, there's a number of answers. And again, we, we're, this is not judgmental because we've all been in these places and kind of had these thoughts. But it's when you let them go unexamined that we get into situations like uh, these guys are talking about just being stuck. Uh do you think God uh, will be offended mm-hmm, that you're angry? Right. Well, that doesn't bear out. And, and you, you, you probably, if you know, if you've read the book of Mark, you know enough Bible to know that that's, th- these things aren't enough. Do you think God would retaliate against you? Do you think God will, you know, uh, hold off blessings from you because you ask these questions? Uh, one very reasonable reason to wonder about kind of expressing stuff to God, but it's not a good one. There's, there's a difference between those, is you're not going to get a satisfactory answer. You can get comfortable with that right now. You're not going to, um, you're not going to get any particular piece of information. Yeah. As, as Glenn pointed out there, you'll get some, some tidbits, you'll get some feelings, you'll get some information, but you're not going to get a big answer that makes you uh, totally okay with the yeah. fact that uh, someone you love died young. Yeah, yeah, you're not supposed to be. Okay yeah, that, that's that. not a, not a good goal. Mm-hmm. But you mm-hmm. will get uh, you will get uh, the Bible does promise you'll get some peace. Yeah, I guess my understanding mm-hmm. you'll be able to move mm-hmm. on. That's a much better goal. We don't want to squash these feelings because again, this goes back to grief. There's nothing wrong with these feelings. Mm-hmm. Therefore, the goal is not to um, banish them forever and come to some kind of deep spiritual understanding so that you won't be sad the next time something bad happens into your in your life. That's that's not really a reasonable right. or good goal to have. You want to work through the things that are in front of you in a way that you, you can kind of keep moving through life. Mm-hmm. And if I think that kind of a functional goal for grieving is a very important thing. Mm-hmm. And I think you're you're on the right track when you talk about, you know, I'm I think of I, was, I thought I was doing pretty well, and I think every day that, by the way, is totally normal mm-hmm. to get through mm-hmm. a big, full on rush of emotions. And there's you know, there's funerals, and there's a bunch of people around, and there's a certain kind of adrenaline to uh, this being this whirlwind of stuff that's happening. And there's pictures everywhere, and it's a whole thing. Mm-hmm. And there, it's perfectly normal for there to be a kind of settling. Mm-hmm. where now you're kind of getting back into your routine, but we got the holiday and they're not at the holiday and the whole thing, all perfectly normal. And it's, you're, there's nothing that if there's one thing I think we can uh, reinforce and reinforce is there's nothing abnormal, wrong or sinful about what you're feeling or what you're thinking. Right. And that's the number one thing we want you to reject in order to apply all the good wisdom. These guys gave you for actually getting to the grief. Man. All right. We're going to move on to our uh, second question here. It comes in an absolute art Tumblr and it says, in Matthew six fourteen to fifteen, Matthew eighteen twenty one to thirty five, and Mark eleven five, there is this idea that if we do not forgive other people's sins, God will not forgive our sins. But what about grace? 
I thought my sins were already forgiven by trusting in Jesus. Are these passages teaching that if I hold a grudge against someone, I can lose my salvation? That my salvation is predicated on me forgiving others? A very, very cool question. And Glenn, why don't you start us off? Yes. Uh, so uh, we're going to go deep into the Bible nerddom here, but we're going to try and go quickly. And we'll, Let's do it! Let's, Strap on your emergency kit. That's right. Uh, l- we'll let these other guys your really... helmet with the light on it. Yeah. Okay. Here's the thing. Uh, most people uh, who have sort of a basic Bible knowledge know that there are, in many cases, uh, Greek is more specific than English is. And English can be kind of a vague language in many ways. So that there is a word between God and love between God and man, and that's agape. You've probably heard that before. Uh, that is different from the word uh, eros, which means a, a love between a man and a woman. So uh, uh, this is a case where we have two different words that are sometimes translated into the English word sin. Okay, here's the problem we have with the word sin. Most of people who hear that word think sin means you did a naughty thing, mm-hmm. bad thing. <laughs> that is actually not in the Bible at all. That's not, that's not a biblical uh, definition of sin. Uh, the, the, the word that's used most often uh, for sin, uh, it translated as sin, is amartia, and that's uh, a, the first half of that is a, means uh, 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 not a part of, so that's uh, atypical, atypical, perfect. Yeah, language. yeah. It's, it's just just like it is in English, and and um, uh, Maris is uh, that you've missed the target, right? So if you got a bow and arrow and you're in the woods and you're hunting for dinner, and you shoot the bow and arrow and you do not hit dinner, you have missed the target. You have sinned. You have not. You did not do it at all. It did not happen. Okay. There was a thing to do, and you did not do the thing. Now we gener- there's the more popular if you hit if you shoot at a target and hit anything but the bullseye. But Glenn likes to you know likes to really keep the blood pumping. That's in right, little way. Uh, that's right. the 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 idea is that you're um, uh, uh, utterly not doing the thing that you're intended to do. What I love about that is it really takes in the idea of sinning by omission as well as by commission. That is to say that you did not do the thing you were meant to do as well as doing a wrong thing. Uh, But we have this way of thinking that sin is like breaking the law where there's a Mm -hmm. penalty and a thing and so on and so forth. So we're, 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 we're already having that problem. These verses use a different word than amartia. Okay, the word that they use is para. I got to read my writing here. Parapito, paraptoma uh, uh, in this particular verse. Uh, but so that's a, another two-part word. Para is like parallel, side by side, right? And pipto is uh, to is where you're falling, you're just falling off to the side mm-hmm. is what that means. So um, often that word can is translated as uh, trespass, mm-hmm. trespass. You know that's sure. means even less to most people in English, and it also kind of doesn't fit so much as well. But if we try to kind of get creative with this and use our imaginations and try and get a, a, a grip on what these two words are saying, uh, one is talking about 
uh, being in a state of, of just not doing the thing that's intended for you to do. And then the Bible's saying in that case, something needs to be done to remedy that in order for us to be in a right relationship with God. Uh, in these other verses, it's describing something where uh, it's a human relationship, and I do something in that human relationship that I shouldn't do. I have acted in a way that's unjust to another person. And the, the, what these Bible verses are saying is if you want to call out to God for justice and to help you in your situation when you're acting unjustly to other people, then you've got, you've got a problem. So, yes, it embodies the idea of bad behavior and naughtiness, and yes, you can translate that into the word sin, because that's how most people think of the word sin. But it's, I think, being that English is vague, it gets a little bit sloppy in there. And so, theologically, we've said, okay, this is sin, which means all bets are off, and then, so maybe this means I lose my salvation. That's not what he's talking about. He's saying we need to treat other people in, in, in the way that we want God to deal with us. That's absolutely right. I think it's a fantastic uh, introduction to this whole idea. And Lee, can you t- maybe take us that kind of next step further and just uh, get a little deeper? Yeah, I think that um, when you look at, like, have you ever been to, um, let's say it like this, have you ever been to dinner with somebody and you just and you just kind of say, hey, I'm going to pick up the, I'm going to pick up the tab, and this person just refuses to let you do that. They just, they won't accept it. Like, I can't, I can't let you pay. Because if I let you pay, then like I'm mooching off of you or something somehow. How am I ever going to get? How am I ever going to get back? You know, and and it's just like no, no. Let me, let me. And after a while, you're like, dude, just relax. Just let me pay for dinner. And it's one of these things where it's like there are people who are not very good at accepting grace, or not very good at even accepting like a, a little friendship or a little just like, hey, I'm just going to pay for our dinner. Um, and then there are people that you hang out with, hey, let, let me pick this up. And they're like, hey, thanks, man. Um, and I think one of the differences is that that first person, they kind of live in a in a, a world spiritually and, and otherwise in their relationships where like, I've got to be able to earn this. I've got to be able to pay for this thing. And I think one of the places that we get uncomfortable with this, and, and I think it's a good question. I think it's a question that... Uh, most honest Christians have had when they look at these verses is like, what am I going to do? If I don't, if I don't forgive people, am I not going to be forgiven? Well, we can zoom out of this whole thing and say, look, salvation is a free gift. Jesus said, you believe in him, your sin is gone. That's over. Exactly like Glenn said, something had to happen in order for you to be forgiven before a righteous and holy God. That thing has happened. If you believed in him, you're good. And yet there's this thing between us where, and in my human relationships, I'm looking at that and going, but there are people that I don't forgive very easily. And I don't let people pay for my dinner very easily. And if I was to really inspect that, if I was to really put a magnifying glass on that thing in my life, in my heart, is that because at some level, I don't really want to accept grace? I don't want to be paid for. I don't want to, um, I don't want to accept, like if, if Jed and I go out to lunch and he tries to pick up the tab, would I resist him because I really want to earn it? Mm-hmm. I really want to have this. I really want to God to look at my life and say, "You're doing awesomely. 
Um, and am I comfortable accepting grace? I think that when, when I look at this in my own life, um, grudges that I've held against people and stuff like that, if I was to inspect that, if I was to really zoom in and criticize that, the thing that I would find is that's because there's a deep place in me that really wants to be awesome, mm-hmm. that really wants to earn it. I'm afraid to uh, release people of the the places where they've fallen off in my relationship with them because I don't want to have to be forgiven. Yeah. Um, Jesus said, if you believe in me, you are completely and utterly forgiven. If you've believed in Jesus, no one can ever take you take that away from you. This is not some kind of uh, this is not some kind of secret um, Bible math where you're going to find out one day you were screwed. Yeah. That that's not the way this works. But I think that when Jesus says this, I think he's trying to dig at something deeper in us that's like, yeah, you believed in me, but if if you're holding stuff against other people, if you're if you don't have an open hand in in, you know, the 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 infractions in your relationships and stuff like that, is that because in a deep way you're still struggling to understand how good grace is? Mm-hmm. How good the gospel is? I mean, if there was a vaccine that cured all diseases and it was completely free to anybody that wants it, you would not only get it, but you would tell everybody you know. Now, do we just, do we struggle to believe that that's what we're really dealing with, that we're really dealing with the gospel that good, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that we really don't have to earn it? And I really don't, I'm not that guy that's ever going to earn it and I can be okay with that. I think, I I don't know if that's where you are. I I mean, obviously I'm making a big gamble. It feels, it feels like I'm trying to read your mail or something like that. I may be way, way off, but I know that for myself, when I have a struggle, when I've struggled with this very verse or when I've struggled understanding why I can't let certain things go, it's because there's a deep place in my life where I want to earn it. I want to be awesome on my own. Uh, I'm never going to be. Jesus has given me grace for free. And when I understand how good and true that is, that allows me to then forgive and let let this other stuff go with other people in my life. Mm. That's a really, really good place to start there. And Jed, I think we can kind of pick up on that of... So if we if we divorce this from the the salvation point, which I think mm-hmm. we we've, uh, these guys are very effectively done, then why are those verses in there? If the point yeah. isn't that um, you have to do this in order to be saved, yeah. uh, what what are we trying to get told here? It's a great question. The simple, straightforward answer is that God takes forgiveness really, really seriously, um, and He takes it seriously because if we uh, are unforgiving people, we're going to have horrible lives and be miserably unhappy. And, um, and we're going to miss out on all kinds of good things that he wants to, to bring into our lives. I mean, uh, that's, that's, that's not a way to live. So given that, um, if God takes forgiveness seriously, then we should take forgiveness seriously. But that also means understanding that forgiveness is a process. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't, you know, uh, you know when you're when you're a kid right you you you've got your brother and you you do something mean to your brother and your mom marches you over and says apologize to timmy okay i'm sorry i did the thing and, and timmy what do you say i forgive you right. yeah. Yeah. Th- that's not forgiveness right you know th- th- this yeah. is a forced transaction yeah. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, yeah. and i think that's what a lot of us get in mind when we read these verses is you know i have to kind of go around all these people i hate and say i forgive you right. Right. you know so that god won't send me to the fires of hell and that god just is reluctant to forgive you as you are to ask for forgiveness to all these people exactly right exactly right 
Here's the thing that it's a thought experiment I'd like you to think about, which is I want you to think of a couple of three people in your life that have really hurt you. They've really done wrong by you, which shouldn't be hard for you to think of. <laughs> um, and I want you to imagine one of them coming to you and saying, I was wrong. Mm. I'm so sorry. I can't, I can't take back what I did. I, I can't make up for what I did, but I'm really sorry. I, I, I hope you can find it in your heart to forgive me. I want you to imagine that for a moment. Now ask yourself, what actually stands in the way of you forgiving them? If that right. happened, right. would you be able to do that? Right. And if not, why not? Right. It's not a trick question. Because right. there's, you know, for most of us, there's things been done to us where that person could come to us and say that, and we would have a hard time with That's that. That's right. You right. know, we'd say, I, uh, don't talk to me. That's um, right. And so, given that, then, well, what actually stands in the way there? You know, is mm. there, is there per our, our previous question, is there a grieving process that I need to go through mm. here? Um, mm. do, do I need to, to deal with what they did to me? Um, right. do, mm. You know, here's the funny thing, right, is in, in a court of law, they have to list out the things you did, right? Right. right. You know, uh, 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 you can be, you know, the president can pardon somebody, but he's pardoning specific things right. that they did. You yeah, know, yeah. you trafficked in narcotics. Uh, this is a matter of public record. I am pardoning the trafficking in narcotics that you did. Mm-hmm. I'm not pardoning you for being a bad person. Right. I'm right. pardoning the specific thing that you did. Well, forgiveness between human beings actually works a very similar way. You can't really forgive a person if you're not clear on what they did to you. That's right. Uh, Absolutely right. There's, you know, and this is the problem with mom marching you over to Timmy and you have to, you have to apologize. Right. I forgive you. Right. You know, there has to internally be a sense of accounting. This is what right. this person did to me. Here is what it meant. Here were then the ramifications in my life. Here, here's the, the wreckage that it wrought. Here is a balance sheet of what that did and what it meant. And I have looked at that and I've taken it all in. Now I can evaluate whether or not I am prepared to forgive that debt that they owe me. But if we don't know what the debt is, we can't hope to forgive it. Yeah. That, that's just that's not how forgiveness works. So, Matt, to go back to your question... Part of the takeaway from this is that Jesus is super serious about forgiveness, and he's super serious about it in part because unforgiveness is really bad for us on a spiritual and heart level. But forgiveness is a process, and so if God takes it seriously, we want to take it seriously, but that begins by going to the Lord and asking, um, what are the people and situations in my life where I need to work on forgiveness? What are the people and situations in my life where I'm, I, I am holding grudges, because you almost certainly have some, and then... I need to take the time to work on forgiving. I need the wisdom to work on forgiving. I need his strength to work on forgiving because it should be his Holy Spirit that's empowering you to do that, not your own willpower. Um, and and to do that with the confidence that God is going to walk through that journey with you. That's absolutely right. I'll, I'll look. I'll uh, take a second here at the end just to look at these specific verses, and it's because there's there's one more lesson in here that I think is very worth pointing out. So um, none of these verses are actually about salvation. Yeah. That's the the context is important. You point out you're absolutely right, and Lee Lee and uh, Glenn both pointed out salvation is a free gift defined by the the New Testament as far as grace. That's 
And uh, we've said on the show before that if anybody, if you read something that seems to, if anybody's trying to make a case for a Bible verse that goes against John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life, you'll notice it's just believe. There's yep. not believe and also behave and also go to church a lot and just believe. Uh, if anybody is trying to make, even in your own brain, make out a Bible verse that contradicts that, then we have a big, fat, hairy problem. Yeah. So even without trying, these Bible verses seem to say something different than that, but we have to look at the context. It's very important. Um, the Bible tells us in uh, 2 Timothy that every that uh, all Scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, connecting, correcting, and training in righteousness. That's definitely true. But here's the thing. Not every verse of the Bible is about the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> you can't point to every and people try what? to do it. Bless them. They pull a one half a verse out of Habakkuk about something, and they say, "So people who do this aren't saved." Yeah, game set right. match. Yeah, not right. not every verse in the Bible is about salvation. Right. That's the Bible right. as a whole is about salvation, right. but there's also a lot in there about the, that other fancy church word we use, sanctification. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which just goes back to Glenn's two point about kind of the two different words. Mm-hmm. There's there are verses in the Bible that are explicitly about salvation. Right. There's a Romans ten nine. We know whoever believes in their heart and confesses their mouth. There's a story of the thief on the cross. We point to a lot. It's mm-hmm. kind of undeniable proof that you can be saved without doing anything. Mm-hmm. Nailed down in a very literal sense. Mm-hmm. But then there are these other verses and these come at points that are not about salvation. Uh, Matthew six fourteen. That's part of the Sermon on the Mount. There's actually very little about salvation in the Sermon on the Mount. That's more Jesus laying out what it's going to be like to walk this with him, you know? To his disciples. who Yeah, absolutely. Very important point. The Sermon on the Mount says, do not worry. Yeah. If you worry, you don't lose your salvation. Yeah. Right. That's not what that means. Right. Uh, Matthew uh, 8, 18, 21, and 34, Peter has specifically come to Jesus again. As Lee points out, these are the disciples. These are people who are already saved. Specifically comes to Jesus and says, how many times do I have to forgive someone? Right. And he gets a parable in response. And then the Mark verse is Jesus specifically teaching about prayer. Mm-hmm. Again, none of this has anything to do with salvation. So um, when that goes, kind of goes back to the point that all these guys are making of this is a relationship with God thing. This is someone yeah. saying, this is Jesus saying, if you are not forgiving towards other people, that's going to hinder your ability to have a healthy walk with God, mm-hmm. which is not the same thing as not being saved. Right. There are plenty of people who are saved who don't have particularly uh, – healthy, flourishing walks with the Lord at the moment, because those are different things. Yeah, right. That's why we have different words for them. That's right. So again, all that to say, hopefully it gives you some ammo. It's worth it's worth pointing out, if you ever, and there are a ton of them, and these are all ones that have uh, flummoxed plenty of people. If you, Whenever you run across something that sounds like, you know, you have to believe in Jesus and also X, Y, Z to be saved, and there's plenty of that stuff in the Bible, don't get me wrong, it's definitely worth doing exactly what you did, stopping down, reading, asking something. Um, you can go to, we've recommended sites like Bible Hub, and there's one called mm-hmm. Bible Study Tools. I found, um, I wrote this up for the blog. There's a guy, a 19th century kind of Baptist theologian named John Gill, who did a very quick, concise kind of breakdown of this stuff. So there's tons of resources out there. The main thing is to remember, you got to keep the main thing the main thing, and then let kind of other stuff flow out of that. We're going to move on to our final question here, and it comes in our Tumblr box, and it says, how do you keep loving someone when they cause you unintentional pain? I'm assuming, I think I worded that wrong, when they unintentionally cause you pain. And Judge, can you start us off? I certainly can. I think the key thing that you want to watch out for is resentment. And here's why I say that. 
you're going to have people in your life who are troubled people who are kind of like a you know little kid that's throwing a tantrum and they're just kind of you know flinging their arms around trying to, to hit anything in sight. It's not that you don't love that little kid, but you probably do need to hold him at arm's length until he stops swinging his fists, mm-hmm. right? You, you need a, a system in place, a structure in place that can deal with his wild misbehavior. Because if, if you don't, if you keep, if you let that little kid just, you know, flail his fists against you, I mean, yeah, you can be forgiving the first couple times it happens, but you're a human being. So sooner or later, you're going to say, Hey, enough's enough. You know, I'm, you know, and now we have a problem because now you are kind of being unforgiving Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. towards this uh, little tantrum throwing kid. Well, resentment is the thing we feel when we are on the road towards landing in a place of being unforgiving. Mm -hmm. And what it really means is we don't have a good control structure in place. That's actually what it means is we don't have good boundaries in place. I have uh, people I'm related to that I love deeply that that are very, very troubled people. And um, this is, I want to be clear here, their misbehavior is on them. In other words, um, when they misbehave towards me, uh, they are culpable for that. But on another level, they are not going to structure a healthy relationship with me, right? Mm-hmm. They, they mm-hmm. for a variety of reasons. Um, if they can't, they can't. If they can't, they can't. If there's going to be a, a, a healthy relationship, a relationship with a structure that allows it to be healthy, I'm going to have to be the one to do that. Mm-hmm. that it's going to have to work that way because they're, they're not going to. Right. That's not to say that it's my fault. It's, it's not quite mm-hmm. like that. But, but I do have to have a sense of realism of how mm-hmm. this can work. They're not in a place where they're going to do that. So if I'm feeling a sense of resentment, what that says to me is I have some work to do of putting some boundaries and some controls and some architecture into this relationship that limits the ability of their misbehavior to affect me. They're still going to be misbehaving. I need to do some work on setting things up in a way where when they inevitably misbehave, I'm not taking the brunt of that. Mm -hmm. Because otherwise, I will get to a place of unforgiveness. I will get to a place of, of rejecting them. And uh, that's not good. That's not good for me. That's not good for them. That's not what the Lord wants to see happen. But again, the thing to look out there for is resentment. Resentment is the warning sign that we're currently in an untenable, unsustainable situation, and we need to make some structural architectural changes to the way that relationship is set up so that we don't wind up in a bad place. That's absolutely right. I think that's a fantastic place to start off on this. And Lee, if I get you to pick up right there, I think Jed gave us some really good stuff on kind of how to uh, kind of fight resentment once it's going to come up. What are the uh, what are the 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 indications that we're on the way to resentment? It's one of the things we can do to kind of buoy ourselves against that. Yeah, I think that when you when you are looking at a relationship where you are annoyed, frustrated, when you start to um, when you start to have a lot of anxiety, when you f- know that you're about to see that person. So let's say there's a person at work. And so you start to have, you start to have, uh, you know, a, a lot of anxiety about going to work. And all of a sudden you're like, why am I, why do I grit my teeth on my commute? Oh, well, maybe it's because I have to see this person or it's a person that you have to see at school or it's a person you see at church and you have anxiety about going there. You just don't want to go anymore. Um, when you start to, <clears throat> when you start to connect dots, um, about, um, you know, what this person's motivations are between behind this or that. And you start kind of mind reading this person to figure out, 
you know, the myriad ways that they're against you or whatever. When you start getting, <laughs> when you start getting creative and anxious, um, then we know that that we're on, we're headed in the wrong direction. One of the things that that people do, uh, in my experience, a whole lot, um, in, in order to avoid confrontation, because I think, you know, Jed's exactly right. Well, we have to have our boundaries, and. The thing that stops people from setting up good boundaries is that they are stone cold scared of confronting anybody about anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that 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 people a lot of times tell themselves in these types of relationships is, "This will probably go away." Yeah. This this will probably get better. Um, pro- probably this person will realize how uncool they're being, and they'll just like un unjerk. That's what they'll do is they'll just they'll just they'll just de-schmuck themselves. Um, if you're if you're thinking those kinds of things or saying those kinds of things, that is a big red flag that is it is right now time to have a conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, they will not go away on their own. Mm-hmm. They will not de-schmuck themselves. That's not a thing. That doesn't happen. If that happens. You should run around in the streets like a fan of the Chicago Cubs, just in giddy merriment. That you, the, you, have, you have witnessed s- a miracle. You have seen a unicorn <laughs> in your like, like. No one deschmucks themselves. You have to have this conversation. And if you find yourself saying things like "This will probably," you know, Glenn, this this person's probably they probably don't. Mean, they're probably gonna figure it out and be cool <laughs> next time. That's that. The reason Glenn's laughing is that's not the way that human yeah. beings work. Right. Most e- most every single person that you know is so completely self consumed that they have no idea the way that their behavior is impacting you. Yeah. The people who take the time to self criticize and ask themselves, "How is my behavior affecting my teammates or my work? You know, my 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 uh, my the the folks that I work with or whatever, my family members." That small section of humanity is so just unbelievably minuscule, and that person is so mature, you can't even fathom how mature they are. No one is asking that question. How is my behavior affecting the people that I love and those around me? You have to have this conversation. You need to do it with grace. You need to do it. You need to be honest. You need to say the thing. Things you've heard on the show before, if you've been listening for a while, things like, you know, cutting clean, cut deep, all that kind of stuff. Only say the pertinent information, but you need to say it. And the reason is exactly what Jeb brought up, that resentment is a killer, man, and it punishes you. It has no impact on that other person. Like I said, because they don't really, they're so self-focused that they're not, they're not feeling those, you know, the, the ripple on the Richter scale of your resentment, but resentment feeds on imagination when we're not talking. And it grows in your creative imagination of why this person is treating you so horribly. But resentment dies in the light of communication. When you communicate about it, resentment shrivels up and it disappears and it dies. They may not handle this conversation well, but exactly like Jed said, you'll know I'm probably dealing with somebody who's so immature or mentally ill or unbelievably impossible 
that <laughs> I can't have a good relationship with them anyway. Yeah, and that mm-hmm. helps you actually have pity on them and the resentment dies. Yes. So the resentment dies in the communication, but that resent if you're not having the conversation and your creative imagination about why this person's being so uncool, that just lets resentment grow like a fungus and it mm. will just grow out of control. So you've got to have that conversation. I want to jump in real quick because everything Lee said is spot on. There, there's one part, uh, just to take it even further, that really is important when dealing with troubled people. You have to set boundaries and then you have to enforce boundaries. Right. Um, you know, boundaries on are ultimately a statement of here's what I am willing to put up with, here's what I am not willing mm-hmm. to put up with. Give an example. Say you, grandma. And grandma wants you to call her once a week, which is fine. You should call your grandma. Mm-hmm. But whenever you call grandma, she always just has awful things to say. Mm-hmm. Right? This is a, a hypothetical thing that would never actually happen. <laughs> no one's right. grandma would be like that. Yeah, I see. Um, I see. So you explain to grandma, which no one wants to do. Grandma, I love you. I care about you. I want to talk to you. But you say horrible things about me and about people I care about. I'm not going to put up with that. Um, I want to hear about the latest show you've been watching, the latest book you've been reading, how your garden is going. I want to hear how you're doing. But as we move forward, I'm not going to put up with you talking bad about other people. And if you do it, I'm going to hang up on you. Just, right. so, just so you know, that's right. what I'm going to do in response to that behavior. Uh, what you as our listener needs to know, people test boundaries. Right. Um, that's and, right. That's and you right. actually shouldn't be mad at them for testing no. boundaries. That's just what people do. Mm-hmm. But you have to keep your word. Mm-hmm. If you call grandma and she says, well, I'm glad now your sister is, you know, she's just awful and she's a failure. Say, grandma, I'm hanging up now. Well, grandma, you did the best you could. You did the best Later. you could. We'll try again next week. <laughs> Click. <laughs> understand now right. grandma is going to tell everyone that you are the worst That's person right. breathing air right. you're a monster you're the spawn of satan right. himself <laughs> my own grandchild hung up on That's me right. do it anyway yep. that's the only way else, forward no one else will try it so absolutely right yeah. and it's a side note she may you know be super mad she also respect you in a begrudging right. way that she respects no one else that's but right. you must enforce the boundaries that you mm-hmm. set you begin mm-hmm. by that conversation but you must enforce it if you tell grandma to hang up on you hang up we will try again next week mm-hmm. We're the only Christian podcast on the internet that hardly endorses hanging up on grandma, but <laughs> we super do. Uh, Glenn, let me get you to close us out by this discussion. I think it's these guys have given a lot of great uh, stuff on uh, boundaries and dealing with people who kind of don't know how to regulate themselves. I think uh, let's take maybe another tack on this idea of unintentional mm-hmm. hurt. There's certainly people who just, as uh, both Lee and Jed covered, have either as could be uh, personal problems, mental illness problems, just low social skills, who just don't understand one things that we can all agree are kind of out of bounds that they just don't pick up on. What do we do and how do we handle and how do we look at a situation where it's one of those things, kind of like we were discussing in the last episode, where what this is is a behavior that's in a gray area right? Okay. that may not bother everyone, mm-hmm. but bothers me. Yeah. Right. So there's right. not as much of an ironclad um, case of this is wrong and I sit you down and explain to you why this is wrong. And mm-hmm. I'm really, mm-hmm. as we talk about also on the show, we're in a lot of, I'm doing you a favor because everybody's going to agree this is wrong, but this is a, um, I think people have less comfort with saying this is not a universally bad thing. I am not comfortable with X and you had no way to know that, but now I need to tell now you, you so it stops happening. Mm-hmm. How do we deal with that kind of conversation? Well, here's the thing is I think it's important for us to look at, are we in a sustainable situation? Yep. Mm-hmm. A lot okay. of people come to me and say, I've got stress. I got problems. I got whatever. And a lot of it is I could put it up for a minute. I have been putting up with it for a little while here, 
I could keep putting up with some of it for a while, I guess, but it's really building up on me. Well, the, the question then becomes, if you can't put up with it forever, yeah. and this person shows no sign of slowing down, as Lee was pointing out, then we have to, we know for sure we have to have that confrontation because it's not how bad it is. And, and of course, we always chop that into individual situations. She did this, but it wasn't so bad. She did this, it wasn't so bad. You say, wait a second, you're talking about a, a larger pattern of behavior here. You have to address the whole pattern of behavior, mm -hmm. not these individual acts. But if you look at that and it's not sustainable, then you have to confront. But here's the part that I think that, that, that people are hung up on is this question is talking about someone you love that's also acting funky. But the truth is the confrontation and the love are not exclusive to one another. Mm -hmm. So, for example, concrete example, we've got uh, our bridge service. Uh, bless them. Uh, we uh, we probably have at least one person that's inebriated every week. Yep. Uh, that's one thing that probably makes it slightly different from your church. I mean, uh, <laughs> and inebriated slightly. is a polite word. We're not talking tipsy. We're Ew. talking drunk, man. Yeah, at least we're, one person who's at least inebriated. Yeah, yeah. The, we're we're talking about chillaxed. Yes, here. we're talking about just completely cooked. cooked. The trail of smell follows them. That's right. So now, uh, a, a significant number of those people are happy to sit in the seat that we specifically placed them in in the back row. So they're closer to the bathroom. They're, they can kind of nod off and it's not rude. And that's fine. Uh, there's a smaller percentage of them. That, and I'd love to read the scientific research on this, that whatever their drug of choice is, it activates some secret part of their brain that says, get in the center of the room and make as big of a jerk of yourself as humanly possible. Yeah. I don't know what Really get is. up in it. Yeah, I I don't know. I, I Time I, to express some opinions. The, I, it's weird, but we just see a certain significant number of people who want to, they literally want to get on stage. You know, yeah. just, they just, that's their thing. Anyway, so, um, but we have a sort of a set thing, and here's what we do. We pull them out of the service, uh, We and there's a little... Uh, a foyer there that we pull them into. We ask, sir, if you had a little bit to drink tonight? <laughs> they exact reply, quote. oh no, I've had a lot to drink. <laughs> a lot to drink. So, but we Diagnosis them, is not the difficult part. But we pull them aside and we always say, here's a plate of food that we have fixed for you. We want you to have plenty to eat. We want you to go home. We want you to sleep it off and we want you to come back next week. Mm -hmm. They're going to say, oh, are you, are you kicking me out of church, man? Yep. You're, you've got it, man. We are kicking your narrow butt out of church. But. With a plate of food. It's with a plate of food. It's with me specific, specifically saying, I want you to come back next week. Right. But the, the phrase that I always add into that is, I can't put up with this. Yeah. I can't. I can have a service that runs and functions and does what it does. Or I can just have you staging some yeah. form of circus act in here for the next hour. <laughs> I cannot have you do this. Yeah. It's not whether I want to or not. It's not whether I like it or not. It has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with me. 
this is a service, and I stand accountable before God for what happens in this room. And believe you me, I'm not going to try and explain to the Lord why I let you completely torpedo the circuit, this this service, so that you could just uh, act like some sort of maniac. Now, as Chet was pointing out in the previous question, I then have to do the work of going home and forgiving that person. Yeah. Because that person might come back next week and test whether or not I actually do have that grace and that forgiveness yep. and that love, as you're talking about in this question, that if that person comes back, and we've had people come back and sort of give me a look like, eh, you said you wanted me to come back. Uh, you know, Do you really want me to come back? And and you can tell that they're not drunk this time. You can see it's different. I say, well, not I, as drunk anyway. Yeah, you say, I, I don't remember the, last week at all. Give me a glad, hug. Glad I'm, to see you. Give me a hug. Glad to see you. I, you know, uh, uh, I, I didn't keep any record of wrong things from last week, so uh, I think you're fine. Come on in, and that's it. And we're yeah. done here. Uh, but the the love uh, for for the the people in the service is important. The love for the person that's messing up is important. But here's here's the central thing I'm going to leave you with: that you have to be good to yourself before you can be good to other mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. That 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 I have to recognize I only have so much patience and gumption in this world. I, this to- service can only tolerate so much. I have to step in and stop this when it's a small thing to keep it from becoming a big thing because it, it's not a sustainable situation. Yeah. I'm going to give that person a choice to act however they want about that and give, put that ball into their court. But it's about recognizing if I can't put up with it forever, I'm not going to put up with it anymore. I think it's absolutely right. It's, it actually is a very, very good example of kind of uh, ways to pull this off. Um, one is that if you get to it early enough before your resentments build up, you, you might be able to pull off uh, a quote Glenn gave that is one of the great things I've ever heard in my life, which is uh, asking a very, very altered and a man in an extremely altered state through mm. some combination. It was more than just booze. Right. It was a number of things. Bless him. This dude was out of it. Yeah. <laughs> and Glenn said, we can't have you here. Some Part of the reason on that at our bridge service is, A, there's a lot of people in there who are working on their sobriety. And there are a lot of people who um, are very serious gentlemen who would see showing up drunk to church as a direct affront to God and may try to win back points with the Almighty via punching you in the face. That's right. Because it, it's hard to make a theological case that God doesn't want that. It's That's true. Right. Let a righteous man strike me. It is a kindness. That's it's in the Bible. Not exactly what that means, but they don't know I, that, and we right. don't have time That's to right. explain that. That's right. But Glenn's telling him all this and says, you know, it's no hard. It's no hard. I don't want you to have any hard feelings. You're going to leave. That's mm-hmm. fine. And I said, well, I have hard feelings, to which Glenn replied in a very Glenn way, don't. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I no, don't. I told you not to have hard feelings. Don't have them. <laughs> okay. And... and to be fair, Glenn's very good at it. This guy was not in a state where he was that hard to Jedi mind trick. That's right. But he said, okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. No, you don't, don't have hard feelings. You don't <laughs> want to have hard feelings. But if, if it was the, you know, the fourth week in a row where this dude was ruining your service, you would not have been able to have a no hard feelings conversation because right. there would have been hard feelings. That's Fred. exactly right. That's so the that's whole thing. very important. And also just this idea of put the ball in their court because one mm. of the things, one of the reasons we do the things the way that we do with Bridge is. If we're that, if we are that loving, if we're that uh, wanting to, as uh, Lee was talking about in the previous episode, if we're that willing to meet you halfway on uh, anything we can, if you show up drunk to the next service, what that indicates is you care more about being able to 
go wherever you want drunk than you do whatever we're doing here. That's right. Yeah. Like, it's a bit of a sad thing, but if you tell someone, let's take an example from a previous episode and say, hey, love hanging around, and I know it's not everybody's thing, but if you could hold off on the language around me, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know it's subjective, but it just makes me slightly uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. If someone is unwilling to do that, that is a, an indication about how important them being able to do whatever they want all the time is versus them being in your company. If yeah. grandma can't keep it together for 30 minutes on the phone, she's not trying. Yep. And that's a, a bummer, but it tells us something there. And like yep. these guys have said, that doesn't have to be resentment on your part. That doesn't have to be anger on your part. One of the weird things is you deal with kind of people who are on a certain level of social dysfunction is you can get to the point where somebody can treat you in a way that's pretty, or do something that's just kind of off-putting and awful. And the overwhelming response you'll get to is, ah, that's, that's sad for them. Yeah, they they as we say, Grandma just couldn't hold it together yep. for five minutes on the phone. That's kind of a bummer. So it doesn't have to be an, uh, an anger thing, and you'll you'll build to that if you use the uh, the very good principles these guys gave you. All right, if you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail dot com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. dot com. We haven't mentioned it in a couple of weeks, but we still have a, a radio show. Yes, on the rock and roll mm, radio right here. Quite. That's right, both rock and roll mm. right here in Chicago. And it's on one hundred one hundred point seven Q Rock. It's the prime time of 3 a.m. Saturday into Sunday. Oh, yeah. Coveted slot. Central time. It's also available on the Bridge Loud podcast feed every Friday. But if, like uh, many of us, including me, when I first, when uh, Jed first described this idea, can't really wrap your mind around the uh, religious music in a rock and roll format, we're going to give you a little taste of that. Take us out. This is a, uh, a Chicago band of ours for friends, Fire Down. And this is a song you've probably heard of. It's an old hymn called Before the Throne but in a very rocked out version. So you can get a sense of kind of the flavor uh, we're putting together there on the bridge loud. So you can check that podcast out every Friday. You can also check out the bridge podcast comes out every Monday. Lots of good stuff for you throughout the week. So thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. My fellow say that ends. I humbly accept the title of beloved leader and Supreme overlord. <laughs> exactly.